0: at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutine on Twitter
1: so I'm really keen to hear from us uh, from you um, and your experiences and especially those of you who are family and many of us have have family uh, outside of um, the main centers of of the economy and what's your experience what is your um, experience with your loved ones how do they feel about this all of this this is this is really a conversation that is open to absolutely everybody um, I'm in conversation with somebody who has been working very closely on the ground with those types of communities and 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 I just wanted to understand as a health worker her experience on the ground and and what connection people have with this disease do they feel that we are in a crisis like some people are feeling in the urban areas but I, I think what's really important also is just for me to hear from you and how it's affected your family on the ground 207 my guest this afternoon is Dr. Chuela Nulhene Chinaba who is the CEO of the Institute of Health Programs and Systems. And she joins us now on the line. A very good afternoon, Dr. Chien. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Good afternoon, Pimelo. And good afternoon to you, too.
1: So I, I am, I suppose, curious about on the ground in far-flung South Africa where we don't cover <laughs> even ourselves those stories. Um, and how COVID nineteen has affected those communities? Your observations and maybe your concerns. Okay,
2: uh, our my organisation, which is the Institute of Health Programs and Systems, mm-hmm. currently we're working in across four provinces: mm-hmm. Northwest, Free State, Limpopo, and Pumalanga. Mm. And in these provinces, we're supporting the Department of Health response to yes. COVID. Yes. So we. Our staff are part of the teams that are going out doing outreach in communities, mm-hmm. screening people in their household, mm-hmm. and some of the. I want to share some of the experiences we've had. Yeah, and when it comes to just simply managing the virus in the rural areas and small towns, because the towns we're working in are much smaller than where we are in Joburg. Yes. Um, The the response is, at district level, the response is coordinated by a multidisciplinary emergency response team. And this is from the government perspective, like the Department of Health. And it's a multidisciplinary team chaired by a primary health care director. So Department of Health, very, very instrumental with Mm. the National Health Laboratory Services. Mm. However, down in the community, we have several challenges. Mm. Uh, mainly speaking to, I think, personally, because of people not really understanding mm. how COVID is transmitted mm. and the basic preventive measures why we are implementing those. For example, because of inadequacy, inadequate access to running water, mm-hmm. simple hand hygiene is a challenge. Mm. So some people have water, water tankers once a week coming through, so that's obviously not enough. And due to lack of water, Not everyone is practicing hand washing the way they should. And obviously, when you look at things like hand sanitizers, those are luxuries. So people don't have access to those because they're unemployed. And uh, in terms of social distancing, Mm -hmm. majority of people are simply not observing those. And young people are lingering in the streets, not respecting the lockdown in some of the areas that we work in. Mm. Some are not staying at home unless there's police patrolling the streets. Mm. And people are walking the
1: streets as usual. So this is this is interesting, and this is where I find um, this kind of conversation interesting, because uh, according to the WHO last week and one of the reports that they had, was their concern, for instance, around other diseases – um, creeping in because of the challenges that rural sometimes or small areas uh, experience. So, for instance, where water is a challenge, where cholera becomes another issue, and where the resources of all countries, not just South Africa, are, mm. are also stretched because we are now, there's so much focus on COVID 19 then you know there there's this challenge between okay so where should we be moving our resources i don't know what challenges the department is facing i mean you would know because obviously you 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 partner with them quite a bit but things like other opportunistic diseases are those things that we should be concerning ourselves with as i said cholera clean water being an issue and so on in those areas
2: obviously we should i mean where people don't have access to clean water mm. those are the things that we should be worried about but i think in addition to that the the biggest challenge is just people understanding that why we are practicing the things we are practicing mm. those all, all those preventive measures are mm. taking you away from other infections i'll just give you a simple example of simple things like gloves yeah people are using gloves mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll give you an example of a taxi driver who's mm-hmm. wearing gloves. Yeah, and he will wear that one pair of gloves, gloves the whole day, mm. exchanging money with people in the taxi, and he thinks he's protected. So he gets a false sense of protection, yeah. and he doesn't wash his hands regularly mm. or san- or sanitize his hands because mm. he's got gloves on. So that contaminated glove is going to be passing money from hand to hand mm-hmm. across many people. So we're back to square one. So so. And up- I've also seen instances where people were sanitizing glass, mm-hmm. which we should not be doing. <laughs> In the clinical setting, you use a pair of glass, one, with a patient, and you throw it away. <laughs> but even the incorrect use of these things is a problem because even the mask, I'll give you an example with cloth masks. Yes. Someone was sharing with me earlier that they saw a seller who's selling the cloth mask mm-hmm. asking someone that you can actually try it on. So if you <gasps> try it on and it's somebody with COVID and the next oh. person will try it on, we have a challenge there. So, so my advice to people would be, sure. if you're buying a cloth mask industry,
1: when you get home before you use it, wash it with hot water and stuff. You know, I am chuckling because <laughs> they, they, and it's really not because I think it's, it's, it's people who are ignorant. I I have been observing right here in the middle of the center of the economy where information is flowing very well mm-hmm. that we really still haven't got an understanding ourselves of how to even use these, for instance, gloves and masks and so on. We here are battling. So tell me, where's the disconnect? Where are we getting it wrong with communicating exactly what's what's to be used for what and how we should be using it. I think it's
2: it's very basic and simple. Mm. With anything that you introduce to people, mm. if you don't explain to them how what the correct use is, yes. people are going to misuse. Yes. So our, with with face masks, for example, in the clinical setting, you use it once and you throw it away. You throw it away. The disposable mask you don't reuse. Yes. But now because we're using Cloth masks, because the, the possible ones are made for healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. We should be practicing good hygiene. So when we sell these things, when we market these things, we should also provide guidance mm. in terms of how to use them properly and how to take care of them. I know some companies are now giving out the cloth masks to their employees, like they'll mm. give two per two employees. Mm. The rationale behind giving more than one is because if you, if you wear one today, you shouldn't wear it tomorrow. Mm. You should watch it. Mm -hmm. And if it gets wet, you shouldn't use it. You should take it off and wash it. So minimum, you should have at least three. So that when you have one, you're wearing one, you have a clean one in your bag, ideally. I mean, that's the ideal. Mm -hmm. And then you still have one that you've washed so that you have a clean one tomorrow. So everything that we use, especially the personal protective equipment, Mm It is also about how to use it and how to use it properly and how to take care of it if it's something that you want to reuse.
1: Mm. Let me take a call before I ask you my next question because I am completely bothered by the use of gloves. I, I, it's <laughs> one of the things that really bothers me because I see people using it so incorrectly and they, they think they've got it. You know, this sense of security is amazing. I'll open the lines, 891 104 Mabula, you're calling us from Pulukwana. Good afternoon and thank you so much for calling.
0: Um, good afternoon, great show. Um, I, I want to say I spoke to my uncle who stays in a rural, actually farm area. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was so interesting to hear his take. I, I can't say he, didn't, he was ignorant of the yes. disease, yes. but his confidence on the help that he has been taking over the decade. Wow. And actually, he showed me because I, I, I had taken food to him. He showed me quite a number of them that he was uh, he had been using all these years. He's not a traditional healer; he's just mm-hmm, somebody mm. who's just you know. So I then said, "Which one is the best out of all these ones mm-hmm. that we have?" So he gave it to me. I thought I'll just I'm still, I'm still I still have it. I thought it's one of those things that maybe when you go to yeah. people that have been living for many years, <laughs> it shouldn't just be about us telling us telling them but also listen to their feedback because Mm. you may find that actually the fact that we don't have a a vaccine now. Mm. The vaccine is somewhere outside Mafeking or Mm. it's somewhere in Eastern Cape or (laughs) it's somewhere in Limpovo. Obviously it still needs to be tested and so on like we see in Madagascar and so on. So for me it was such a learning experience and it was even before the Madagascar thing. It was about a week or so into into the lockdown when he gave me that. He thinks if it, he gets attacked by this illness, it will work because it has solved many things. Actually, there's this thing that I call makona <laughs> Joti in our language that whatever illness you have, you take something, it works. You know,
1: so, Mabule, so it, thank it you. So I, yeah. love, I love that call, thank you so much, Mabule. And you know, let me ask you, doc, because actually, it's not the first time I'm hearing this, right? So, I missed the best part of his conversation. What what did he say? So, his so uncle he, he, he's talking about his interaction with his uncle. Uncle. Uh-huh. And his uncle's reference is, I. I have got in my kitty here at home medicines that I use that are traditional. He's not. He says he's not a traditional healer. He's just somebody Uh that knows how to take what and what, you know, Lingana, for instance, and so on Uh and mix it together. And and that's his response to COVID-19. But I wanted to say as well that, in fact, I've heard this from many people who engage with people in rural areas who say the elderly are saying, hi, man, we've lived through worse things and Uh we <laughs> we know we can mix Lingana and he says Makwanatote and whatever, whatever, whatever. To what extent are we reaching out to try and see if our indigenous knowledge systems can be a part of our solutions to COVID-19?
2: Well, where I'm sitting to date, very little effort mm-hmm. has been made into that area. We haven't done much in that area to mm-hmm. look into that. Mm-hmm. But what I can say the, the the coronavirus is a new virus mm-hmm. discovered in in China late last year in December, so a lot of things about the virus we're still learning yeah you you can clearly see we're not sure whether if somebody's infected and they they say they are cured they are they' healed yes. whether they have immunity and how long it lasts so there's still so much that's out there that we don't know mm-hmm. so in terms of any indigenous traditional medicine that can work, I honestly at this point wouldn't say.
3: I
1: know any. I have heard of anything. <laughs> uh, Sebastian, you're calling us from Cape Town. Good afternoon.
3: Yes, good afternoon to you. I'm just taking up from the earlier part of your program about educational content on TV. Yes, sir. and I'd just like to concentrate on uh, one thing. Firstly, um, I don't know what is in school curricula, but. uh there definitely should be uh, courses on gardening for food, home food production, which could then lead people into more intensive agriculture, but this would be the starting point. Now, if we don't have those in school curriculum, they should be introduced with immediate effect, not to even wait for the next school year in 2021, and... Um, The educational content on TV and on the free program should be including and aiming at this to teach not only school children but uh, also everyone in the country who who has access to the free-to-air how actually to start producing their own food in whatever small or or medium or large plot of land they have available to them or they can get made available to them. Um, no, I appreciate that, Sebastian,
1: and you've really uh, continuously made the point, and we do take it, and obviously we will try and, and as much as possible to do, tra- to transfer that information, um, because I know that you're quite passionate about being able to grow our own food and so on, and really reaching out to everybody to do the same. Marule, you're calling us from Bushbuck Ridge. Good afternoon. Yes,
4: how are you? We well, thanks for calling i'm fine yeah i i i' am very interested in the presentation of, of the doctor there really I think the issue of education, especially as here in rural areas is still my life needed uh, on the usage of these uh, pPEs because you will find a time you'll see this um, i'm not English, I call it surical marks. You find that they are white in color, man. Yes. You will see if a person using it for a whole week is not changed. And I I think these people are... If indeed the virus is there, a person is... I think people are just using them. They don't know really how, 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 how to use them. And also as her input to say, you must have at least this close one. You must have at least two to three. So that if I use this one today, and then tomorrow I can use the other one while watching this one. But people really are, are not well-educated in that. And the, the other point that I want to... Yes. I'm using spectacles and I think I'm representing all the people that are using spectacles. I'm laughing because stop. I'm one of those. Uh, as, as we are putting them, you know, we, we, we find it, I cannot drive while you're putting them on because you'll see a miss. There is a contradiction between the mask and and... and So I don't know what's best. I think uh, it's a certain disability which is not accommodated by this... um, Oh my Thank
1: goodness! You. We're all learning, you know. Thank you so much for that uh, reflection, Maruli. Doc, I mean, it's it's quite true. So let me let me start with the. Um, let's talk about the, the spectacles and the glasses. Let me, I I really struggle because what I think is now my protective mask suddenly that air goes up to my eyes into the glasses, and then I don't know anymore whether is it the glasses that's holding COVID nineteen. <laughs> Well, it's
2: just the mask. So, so, so you and I both. So the best way, the best thing to do is to make sure we practice good hand hygiene. Yes. Because whatever we do, even if you're touching your glasses, you're touching, you're touching, you're moving your mask. You have to adjust your mask. You yes. know that you're safe. Yes. But with the mask also, if it's properly fitting, mm-hmm on your nose it mm. shouldn't be moving up and down mm-hmm. so there's a way you know some most of them have a little wire that runs through it at the top part. Yeah, yes so if you squeeze it in around your nose yes. it should fit properly so that it doesn't move up and down
1: okay and yeah. and can we please just deal with the um let me let's start with the gloves because mm-hmm. I, I must be honest I, I i don't know why we're using gloves as ordinary south africans or am i wrong my, my honest opinion on this one, in general, people should not be using gloves
2: except for the healthcare workers yes. who are interacting with patients who, and they use the one pair and throw it away. Yes. But in your home in general, you are better off just simply washing your hands with soap and, and make sure that where you have water and soap, in, you have access to water and soap in the house, yeah. you're better off using just simple water and soap. Than a sanitizer. Sanitizer is usually when you don't have access to water mm-hmm. directly and soap. Mm-hmm. Because that soap, just like I always give this example of dishwashing soap, sunlight, and um, the sunlight dishwashing soap mm. with uh, uh, greasy dishes, mm. the virus has a fatty layer. So when you use soap, it kills off the virus.
1: Okay. Here's yeah. another question that people have seen now happen a lot. So then someone will take that uh, cloth mask and just spray the sanitizer on it and no and, <laughs>
2: no you don't i can i can't believe people are doing that we should not it's like somebody also sanitizing gloves we yes. shouldn't be doing that throw them away
1: okay um, i've got a serious more serious question and concerning um, bec- because of the access to to testing
4: Mm-hmm. And and
1: what we now know, as you said, you know, there's very little we know about the virus at the moment and we, we you know, learning as we're going along. My concern is around deaths that occur um, in, in towns where maybe the testing has not happened, where maybe someone may have passed away because of COVID-19 and how mm-hmm. we treat the deceased. Generally, in a rural setting, sometimes we even bury people in our own yards and we do that ourselves. So, that information of how to manage um, those, the, the, the deceased and so on, is that trickling down?
2: I, I hope so. But what, what I just want to explain to you as well, before we even talk about burying our loved ones, yes, is that what we're seeing in communities, there's myths and misconceptions around COVID. Mm-hmm. When the nurses are even coming into screen, they are thought to be infected with the virus mm-hmm. because people are seeing people infected on TV mm-hmm. And uh, even some of them, you know, with the social media going around, people are thinking the test kits are already infected. Mm, yes, yes, some yes I've people heard that. Yeah. don't even believe that there's COVID. Some people are saying it's a white a man's disease or for rich people. Mm. So with all those myths and misconceptions, we have a big challenge. Because even when someone is ill, you know how in, in, in most disadvantaged communities, people will wait until they're really, really sick, before they seek medical attention. Yes. So... You'll find a situation where someone may have the symptoms, but they think ah, it's just a common cold or yeah. it's nothing much yeah. until they're really, really sick and they pass on. So we need to educate communities on how to handle someone who is not well with COVID because there are precautionary measures that we need to take uh, to make sure we implement. And even with death, there's WHO guidelines specifically guiding us on mm. how we, we take care of a dead body that where a person passed on from COVID-19. So I, I don't, I'm not convinced that that information is filtered down. So there's a lot of work that we still need to do in educating our communities. So with us with our nurses going out to the field, we use every opportunity to educate our com- the
1: communities that we're interacting with. Um, with regards to seeking medical attention, and, and this happens even before we had the regulations that we have now, there, yeah. there, there are other challenges. And I wonder if maybe there's room there for yourselves and your colleagues to engage with this one transport and access to those hospital facilities is is it is a major major challenge it really sometimes it takes a lot to get to destination a or b where the bus usually comes at whatever time and it only comes back at whatever time with the restrictions now i'm sure it's worse so access to to, to those facilities is a challenge. And now with the, the more regulations of transportation, I'm sure it's it's another challenge. Is there something that we can do to ease those challenges? Currently what the Department of Health is doing
2: is actually to say, so if you test positive and you live in an area, mm. you will be asked at the point of testing who are your contacts. Okay. So you give names of the people that you've been in contact with in the last 14 days, yeah. and they create a contact list and they send a team out Ah. to clean. So instead of people coming to the facilities, the recommendation is that the teams
1: go out to the people to avoid the spread of Ah. infection. All right, makes perfect sense to me. Philip, in KZN, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, Uh, How are you getting? I'm well, thanks. Go ahead, Philip.
5: Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Quickly, you know, uh, uh, Doc is raising very, very important points. However, my main concern here in KZN is that Eddington Hospital uh, has been earmarked by the Premier of KZN as one of the hospitals that must help contain coronavirus spread in the province. However, if you can go out there, yourselves, I will challenge you, particularly as a public broadcaster, to go and say, I am from there right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. This stampede in the mm-hmm. hospital, mm-hmm. I have called management to say, why are you making the public hospital a killing field? Because people are just going to contaminate themselves when they are seeking for help, medical help, in a public institution. Is a disgrace what is happening at Edmonton. You can go there. I have called upon the management from the outpatient department and doctor who is CEO of the hospital but was unavailable and staff members are complaining that mm. they are highly understaffed.
0: Mm.
5: And uh, the, the working environment under which staff members are working in, quite horrible. Mm. Infrastructure broken into pieces, money looted through even private security company mm. which is owned by some politicians in the province. You can go, I challenge SFM, you go in there and see yourselves is a, is a is a is a killing field is that hospital
1: mm. Philip thanks very much for bringing that up and and you know I I um I concur with Philip um because I myself uh, relayed a story the other day. I went myself to Charlotte McLeica Hospital. And, and I'm afraid, I know when we speak to the officials, they're telling us that everything has been taken under control. But I, I am worried still about the, the influx of people in the hospital. We're not doing enough. And some of them, not necessarily there for any you know treatment. They're just there to collect their regular medication because that's where they usually do. I don't know if we've done enough to dissuade people from going into hospitals and come up with other measures. I know there are programs that talk about delivering your medication at spots. I just don't know if we've already made that message clear enough to patients who usually go into a hospital to fetch either the 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 you know their chronic medication or whatever. Yeah, I was
2: just gonna say. The same thing you're saying, that there's a chronic medication distribution and dispensing system, Mm -hmm. the CCMDD, for chronic medication. Mm. So if that is not working and people are still having to go to the hospital, I think people need to raise it through the right channel so that the Department of Health at the higher level is aware and those issues can be addressed. No, I agree. Well, Lelani, because the, the intention would not be to expose people. I mean, yes. people who are on chronic medication yeah. have comorbidities, yeah. pre-existing conditions, mm. and that
1: predisposes them to severe COVID d- disease if Correct. they get infected. Correct. So we wouldn't want them to get complications. Yeah, we, so. we, we obviously need to bring those numbers down. Bulelani in Matatiele, hello. Hello, Sister I'm well, thanks. Thanks, Gale,
6: I'm fine. Speaking of Lengana, of which in Kosa is Umsonian, in my village mm. people are running around looking for Umsonyan. <laughs> soon it will be
1: finished.
6: Sister <laughs> uh, so <tell> if <laughs> you can't take what I called, uh, in my place uh, I'm an OSHA rep, then because of the scarcity of the, the medical staff, yes. we're also asked to screen our fellow employees mm-hmm. and our fellow colleagues. Yes. So now, when we're talking, talking about sanitizing of office clubs, because there's three kinds of clubs that we do have. I do have all I do have a high risk Then I was told, if I'm using hand-screening, if I use a high risk I can keep on sanitizing and then I can use it for the whole day as long as I'm sanitizing. Then in the evening I can throw it and tomorrow I use the other one. But with Usechi I cannot sanitize it. I use it once, then I don't sanitize it. But, okay, I don't use high-risk people as i told told for medical stuff, So okay. I'd like to get it learned now when she says okay. they are non-sanitable because yet now on this side we were told. I'm not saying yes. it is wrong or are yes. wrong. You just want you to just clarity. clarity.
1: Thanks for that. Uh, quickly, uh, can you answer that for us, Doc? Hey, Manu, can you just repeat the question? So he I, he, very clear. he says his employer has has uh, dispensed two types of uh, of of the gloves, um, mm-hmm. the surgical gloves, and then what they're calling high risk. I'm not sure which ones those are, but that's what he says they're called. And he mm-hmm. says they were advised by their company. And he just wants clarity on this one. If it is okay for them to keep sanitizing them. They were advised by their company that they should keep them the whole day, keep working, and just sanitize them the whole day. Is that okay or not? He calls Ooh. them high-risk gloves. He says there are two types. And I, I, have, I have no idea. I've, I've never heard of high-risk gloves wow. before. Wow. So I'm
2: a little bit lost. yes.
1: I also wouldn't know what he's talking about. But yeah. but, but, but that's a pity because now we've, we've gone to a stage and, and we heard this minister also t- talking to us about this yesterday and the other day, um, Minister Tulas about just how important it is for employers to make sure that, number one, we educate and we, do, we give people the right types yes. of protective gears and yes. not misinform.
2: And, and also what I would want to understand from him is why is he wearing gloves? What
1: kind of work is he doing mm. that requires that he wears gloves? Sure. We've lost him now, so we can't answer. We you know, we obviously can't answer us. Romeo, you're the last caller. Good afternoon.
7: Good afternoon, I'm all right. Sister, I just want to ask the doctor there is a lot of confusion when it comes to sanitizing. Yes. Uh, I believe that there is a lot of confusion over that, um, the sanitizing. I was looking to another company just about two hours ago. Mm. You know, you are asked to mask uh, your mouth uh, to cover the whole part of your mouth, which is correct. Mm. Two, you must have got gloves. Mm. If you don't have gloves, uh, possible you might not have any access to go inside the company.
0: Mm.
4: And
7: here I I hear the doctor is saying gloves are not necessary. Mm. Three, do we sanitize our doors as I open the door mm-hmm. and I go inside as I hold my steering? Mm-hmm. Should I should I sanitize the steering? Should I sanitize also the handle? Three, four. These guys, as you go inside there, they sanitizing the, the, the Oh, Romeo! We d- I, don't
1: oh,
2: I was just going to ask, what work does he do? Is he a driver?
1: You know. Because it's important to understand the context in which he's working. Mm. We, he, we've lost that line. I'm not sure what's happened. I think even in general, he's asking: in general practice, should we be doing that? Should we be sanitizing our steering wheels and so on? Well, he, he, here's the thing: you, 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 you are. He's, he's talking about being uh, in a car. So, so, uh, you, so, you, so, you, so, I've got, I've got an answer quickly. He's, we've lost him, but apparently, he's a truck driver. He's a truck driver. Yeah.
2: And in the car, is he alone or with other people?
1: Oh, I don't know. We've lost him. So
2: he, he, he was out somewhere, he's he's gotten to work, and he's getting into a truck to drive somewhere. Yes. Okay. So ideally, he, he, it would be good for him to sanitize his hands before he even gets into the car. Okay. So that when he opens, the, the handles would have been cleaned, obviously, mm-hmm. if somebody else had used the truck before. If it was a different driver, Mm -hmm. there would have been decontamination of the vehicle before, Mm -hmm. unless he was the one using it. Mm. So you see how it gets complicated, and it's important to understand the context, because what I say to somebody who's working in a clinic and what I say to somebody who's working in an office Mm. would be different Mm. because somebody who's working in a clinic is high risk. And that's why those kind of people would wear gloves when they interact with patients. But even for me as a doctor, I would wear gloves when I'm seeing Kimelo. But after my consultation with Kimelo, that pair of gloves, I throw it in the bin and I have a new pair when I'm seeing Hmm. Sydney. Mm. So it cannot be the same pair that I'm using all the time because If I'm wearing the same pair of gloves the whole day, let's Mm -hmm. say I'm standing at a security point, Mm -hmm. that same pair of gloves, whatever I'm touching... Is because as a human being, you have this false sense of protection yeah. and you think what you're touching, you're not going to get any bug on you, yeah. but the glove is contaminated. Yeah. And there you go, you go and open a door where Penel is coming to touch the door. Mm. Or you forget, you go to the kitchen, you're still wearing your glove, mm-hmm. you touch your face, mm-hmm. you go to the bathroom, you touch your face, but that glove is contaminated. You're introducing the, the, the virus yeah. into your mouth, nose. So... You're better off without the glove, but cleaning your hands, sanitizing them and washing them with water and soap
1: really, really insightful. I really appreciate the time you've taken us uh, through some of what we think are very silly questions, but thank you so much for making it very clear to us, Dr. Chiwela Neluheni-Chinaba, who is a CEO of the Institute of Health Programs and Systems. We'll try this uh, often so that we can all get clarity. I know all of us, none of us is a, is a smarty pants on all of this, right? So even myself, I think it is good to keep informing ourselves and getting the right people into the studio to help us with all of that. Just go on 2 o'clock let's go to Utile Cycle for the very latest in SABC news.